We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, my good friend and colleague, the num- the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, um, the this coaching search is kind of taking a turn on its head. Obviously, we had the Jim Harbaugh news earlier this week, Sean Payton. There's a lot of leaks coming out that he wants to come to Denver. Um, they An, an unfortunate circumstance might actually kind of pause that a little bit with the what happened there in Charlotte with the uh their uh their football squad or the the soccer team there but uh, it's it's been just kind of a whirlwind of updates speculation a lot of I want this I want that how you hanging in there man uh I'm hanging in there good got a bit of a head cold you know and I'm tired as I'm tired all the time um but yeah this coaching the whole coaching situation like it's been fun, but exhausting. Like it's good for Denver that the Chargers, the Rams, the Cowboys, their head coaches either stayed or weren't fired or made it far enough in the playoffs where they're safe. Because those are the three teams, as I said on here before, that Sean Payton wanted. Those were the jobs he wanted. He wanted to be in LA. Well, when those get taken off the board, it shifted to Arizona, Carolina, and Denver. Arizona, like, well, there's some chatter that the general manager they hired is okay um, Peyton is okay with it because he's a Parcells guy it sounds like that he was a little from of course you know chatter going around that he was a little upset that he wasn't part of the process of hiring the general manager mm-hmm. because everybody it's well known that he wants Ireland or Ryan Pace to be the general manager above him and those are the two guys he really wants and so that brings that's a similar issue that Denver has George Peyton is in town like if they wanted to make the, the make it a little bit easier, like, well, you could have just fired him. Same with what's going on with um, the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, he supposedly wants to work with Russell Wilson, which I don't fully buy into that. Um, stable ownership, which, of course, the Broncos, they have the richest owners in there. That provides plenty of stability. And it makes it a lot easier to work around the salary cap. Um, especially with as Russell Wilson gets a little bit more expensive or potentially after 23 eating the dead money from him, um, from cutting him. So 
there's a lot of reasons why, but unfortunately, like the death of the soccer player of the team that Dave Tepper owns postponed the Carolina Panthers interview with Sean Payton. It's tentatively rescheduled for Monday at the moment. Um, so that's definitely put a positive in it. But I will say this. I think this by this time next Friday, the Denver Broncos will have their head coach. Who will it be? I don't know, but they'll have a head coach by Friday. I, I don't disagree with that. I'm going to uh, shout out Michael really fast, jumping in here, saying good evening, Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos, and thank you, Michael, for joining us. Uh, let's get a little bit of levity into the situation here. Um, Scott actually put his name in it. I, I was trying to find it. Um, th- this uh, Charlotte Football Club um, soccer player, his name was Anton Walks. Um, he, he passed away uh, for – we, I, I guess the, the, the circumstances are unknown. Um, first things first. It was a boating accident, I thought. I, I didn't I didn't see anything. I was trying to find some stuff. So if there is an, an actual reason, we'll, we'll update you on that. But uh, uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family first and foremost, the, and the, the entire Charlotte Football Club family, um, Dave Tepper and his representation as well. So uh, I, I, again, like there's a lot more that's going on. He's 25 years old, came to the States at 18 on a loan from a big London club. He played five years with Atlanta. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, a very um, unfortunate situation. Just want to let everybody know that, uh, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with, with him and his family um, and the, the, uh, the, the Teppers and in, in their organization, everything like that. Like this is more than football for a minute. So uh, everybody, if, if you got a second, please, uh, you know, throw up a, a quick prayer and whatnot like that. Uh, with, with that being said, um, Getting back to the Broncos here, it, it is kind of uh, unfortunate, you know. Um, I was I was kind of hoping to get a little bit more of an update on in terms of what has been going on with the coaching search. I know they had Demeco Ryan's in uh, for an interview yesterday. They had Dan Quinn, I believe, today as well. Um, an, another couple of high well, quality candidates. They were in San Francisco, right? Right. Or right, right. Ryan's, yeah. and then in Dallas for yes, they, they, well, they, they didn't have them in just. Clarity of wording there. Specificity <laughs> matters. Being specific does actually matter. You're you're correct there. They they did interview regardless. Uh, Demeco Ryan's yesterday, and I believe Dan Quinn today. Um, so another couple of high quality candidates on the defensive side of the football. Obviously, we all know who Dan Quinn is with his former um, prowess as the defensive coordinator in Seattle back all those years ago, including the the game we don't speak of here in Broncos country, as also as well as the game they don't speak of in uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, territory down there with the Super Bowl 28 to 3 and whatnot. Um high quality candidate though. Very well respected across the NFL. This is Dan Quinn we're talking about here. Uh very well respected brings a lot of a uh, lot of leadership, a lot of respect, uh, a very friendly towards the players mentality but also a guy that's going to like put your nose to the grindstone and, and get the best out of you in terms of your specific skill set. Uh Eric, I know that between you and me, uh, privately, we've had our own discussions about Dan Quinn. I know that I've made myself very clear on my want to have Dan Quinn a part of this organization going into last year's coaching search. But this year, it just seems like that would be the tomato soup kind of hire, the milk toast, the the guy that's like, man, I really wanted something else out of this. What are your thoughts on Dan Quinn and this potential, uh, potential of him being the head coach of this Broncos in 2023? So I like Dan Quinn's candidacy a year ago more than I did now do now. 
And having seeing what we got out of Russell Wilson this year is actually a big reason for that. And I still think he's a fine candidate. I have a lot of qualms about the rumors about the staff that he would bring with him. Mm-hmm. I, with what I've heard, I don't fully buy that Evro would stick around to be his defensive coordinator. And then, you know, the whole Bevel and Schottenheimer offensive coordinator aspect has always driven me nuts because I've always felt those were two very overrated guys. Um, even last year, like that was a big issue with it. Like he's still fine. He's probably he's probably the second choice for me behind Sean Payton. Sean mm-hmm. Payton, it depends on how much you have to give up. I saw somebody ask about it. The Saints are supposedly wanting two first round draft picks. Well, similar to what the Buccaneers got for Jay Gruden. Well, the Saints can ask for whatever they want. It doesn't really it, it matters, but it doesn't really matter. Like it's a simple thing of they're going to ask for a lot more than what they're going to get. So they have a lot of wiggle room to work their way down. And teams that are the teams that are going to try to trade for Peyton, which as Adam Schefter reported uh, with Mark Schlereth and Mike Evans, is Sean Peyton's essentially going to be handling the trading for himself with Mickey Loomis. So it's a situation of they're going to start low to try to work their way up, and then you know vice versa with the Saints starting high and working down negotiations. Um, so. He, he's still my top candidate. And then I'd probably go Jim Caldwell after that. Um, I, Jim Caldwell would probably be slightly above Quinn for me if he was healthy. Like, there's some serious medical concerns there with Caldwell. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. There are. And I, I think the biggest thing with Jim Caldwell to me is the fact that with with the age concerns, um, that's that's obviously something you have to take a, into consideration here. He's 67 years old. So you're not looking at a five year, five to 10 year run with him as your head coach. It's probably just not going to happen. The thing that gets me with Jim Caldwell is the fact that he is such a stabilizing force everywhere that he has been. He has taken a team from turmoil and turned them into something that was incredible. And I don't necessarily want to call it the Detroit lions incredible, but with the history of the Detroit lions going back all the way to 1940 or whatever the hell year they were even uh, first in the NFL, specifically in the Super Bowl era, Detroit's always been a very bad football team. They've always been a bottom dweller in the NFC East, North, South, like whatever division they're in. So Jim Caldwell being able to take that team to the playoffs with Matt Stafford, they had um, they had Calvin Johnson on that team as well, and a defense that was not made for the playoffs. The fact that Jim Caldwell was able to take them to multiple uh, over 500 win seasons, like there's uh, there's a uh, there's a lot to like there. He's not been coaching recently, and this is a question specifically asked by Todd Moyer down here. Caldwell hasn't been coaching recently. I think the last time he was in the NFL in terms of a head coach was the the last time he was with the Detroit Lions. He was an offensive assistant in Baltimore there for a couple of years as well um, after the fact. Regardless, what you're getting here is a stabilizing force, a guy that can come in and kind of just steady the ship, add a rudder to this, this directionless ship that this Broncos team has been for the last five seasons. And you're also going to get a guy that has a ton of experience, a guy that can potentially groom a guy like Ajiro Evero. And there's reports that Ajiro Evero doesn't necessarily want to stick around with the Broncos unless he's going to get like guaranteed a head coaching position. If you get Jim Caldwell and you can keep Ajiro Evero, that might be the direction that this team really needs to be in because the players love Evero. He's a quality coach. This defense is playing very well underneath his guidance over this last season. So to me, Caldwell is a dark horse here. But um, it, it wouldn't shock me to see them go in that specific direction. Uh, before I bounce this to you, Eric, I want to grab this from Deanna. Uh, superstar, absolute superstar, jumping in off the top rope. Very generous super chat here. Uh, good evening, Eric and Lance. I'm hoping for Sean Payton, but Quinn, if we can, if we can't get our first choice, uh, money talks. Hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag DVDD. And Deanna, thank you for that very much. Now. Eric, let's let's bounce this back off to you. Um, Quinn, if they can't get the first choice of Sean Payton, which is my first choice, very obviously. Yeah, I mean, Quinn's fine to me. So I posted this elsewhere and had a conversation about it. Is Sean Payton to me is the only outstanding hire. When you take out all, you know, the other stuff of it of what is it gonna take to get him, he he's an outstanding coach. I have I have a very high opinion of Sean Payton. Everybody else to me is just meh. And so, like, Dan Quinn, he, he's fine. Like, I saw somebody mention about how Russell Wilson had his best years under Schottenheimer. Well, the offense Seattle runs, it's not these guys' offense. Mm -hmm. It's Pete Carroll's offense. Yep. He's, in, he's the one who installed it when he first went there. It has always been his offense. So, like... I'm still not, and yeah, Russell Wilson had some good years under there, but those you also started to see the decline, and that's where the issues of Russell, let Russ Wilson cook, started to pop up. Was mm -hmm. it really started in that 2019 season 
where when they started to pull the rug out from under him and go away from that, he walked out of a meeting. So I, I don't want to bring those guys back because while Wilson has a good friendship with Schottenheimer, there were still issues there in Seattle that hung there until he was traded. Mm -hmm. So that is my issue. And then with Caldwell, you got your times mixed up a little bit. He was with Baltimore before the Detroit Lions. Okay. Afterwards, he went and he was the, I believe he was the quarterback's coach for the Miami Dolphins before he stepped away due to his health issues. That right. was the last, and that was in 2019. Um, so it's been a while, and that's why, again, Caldwell, if the health issues weren't there, he would be a lot higher up for me. But the health issues are a major concern. And the one reason why I like him is he should not have been fired by Detroit. He took a terrible roster yeah. and drastically overachieved. Yeah. Like, he did a great job of catering to what his players could do, covering up their issues, and that is something that Denver really needs. Yeah, it, it really is, especially with the roster and the overall quality of the players that they have on this team, especially as the building block foundations. I mean, the the receiving weapons are there, the defensive pieces are there. You've got um, you've got Randy Gregory, and I, I know that that's not the very first name that wants to pop in your mind, but that's a that's a quality edge piece. The linebacker core, at least at this particular point, seems to be in place if they bring back Alex Singleton. But you've got Justin Simmons, you've got Pat Sertan, you've got Damari Mathis, who definitely improved over the last por uh, portion of the season. Season, there are pieces in place with J Jim Caldwell. Like I said, just kind of right the ship just a little bit and just kind of get everything back together, find an identity, yeah. find a culture, yeah. and build that off of there. Uh, George Fox jumping in here really fast. If I could have my choice, it would not be Dan Quinn. I don't see him helping our team, but that's me, Denver Broncos for Life. Press the thumbs up, guys. Yes, please, everybody. Press the thumbs up. That really helps us out a lot. Everybody on, on YouTube specifically, that's that's when we really like to try to target here. But also on Facebook, Twitter, our Twitch audience as well. Please click the thumbs up, like every single video you guys see. It helps us more than you know. Uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here. Good evening, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott. It seems to me, after Sean Payton, it's pretty even. I like Ryan's. Hashtag go yeah. Broncos. Hashtag MHH for life. And Ryan's for me, if, if it wasn't so well known that the Broncos want a veteran coach, um, D'Amico Ryans would be much higher up my list as well. Mm -hmm. I think of all the candidates, he really is the second best candidate, but I'm pushing him down because I know that the Broncos don't really want to go with another first timer. And I really, I want to grab this comment from Tim Wentz here. It says Sean Payton walked out on a tire franchise after he helped create a mess and the going got tough. Let's stop that from happening in Denver. I've seen this a lot as a problem with Sean Payton. And there's a lot of, misinformation with it i guess is the best way to put it everyone in the saints organization was on board with consistently pushing back the draft the salary cap issues until drew Brees retired they were everyone was on board with that from the owner all the way down to the quality control coaches all the way to the players everyone was involved they knew what they were doing they were trying to consistently build something around drew Brees so they could so they could try to win another one for him and the issue is they didn't. And that is a very well, you know, big ish concern to have with Sean Payton. Despite they tried to do that, they failed. And it was also it was also well known that when Drew Brees was done, Sean Payton was going to step away. He gave them a year after. He gave them an extra year before he stepped away so they can start getting their affairs in order. He didn't walk out on the mess exactly. It was an uh, understanding of what they were going to do to try to win. 
with a certain within a certain time frame, and they just failed to do that to make it worth it. I think a big thing here, and I'm going to grab this uh, comment from Clayton here in just a second. I think the big thing here is they they pushed everything and just kept continuing to kick the can down the road. But you're you're talking about you know the the blown call on Nicole Roby uh, Coleman. Uh, I, I think his is uh, Mikel Roby Coleman, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, the in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, and the Rams went on to lose the Super Bowl against the, uh, against the Patriots later that year. You're also talking about the Minnesota miracle, and that's not necessarily Sean Payton's fault because a dude went out and made a play. But that if the Saints win that game, they go to New Orleans or to to Philadelphia, and I believe that game was actually going to be played in New Orleans and not Philadelphia. And then you essentially stop the Philly special play, like like there are times where Sean Payton's awesome. been to the possibly yes, absolutely. Like there are times where Sean Payton has been to the pinnacle of success in the NFL in terms of getting into like deep runs into the postseason. It just hasn't worked out. I got another stat here. I'm going to grab this after I grab this comment from Clayton. It's a great tweet. It's on my Twitter account. You can find it at Sanderson MHH. But Clayton jumping in here. I truly hope we pick the right coaching staff to clean up our mistakes from last year. And let me tell you, we will be on fire. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I still have a glimmer of hope for Russell Wilson in terms of turning it around the last two games of the season. And some of the flashes that we saw from earlier in the season leads me to believe that if you get a coach that puts his thumb down on top of him and says, this is the way we're going to play it. This is how we're going to do it. There's enough there to work with that. We can potentially see a turnaround from Russ and get this team on the right track. I do believe that that is the one thing that needs to happen specifically from this coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of issues with the coaching staff hires last year that were problematic from the get-go. Um, the biggest one is Butch Berry instead of Mike Munchak. Yep. And it was through the narrative of Mike Munchak can't coach the outside zone scheme they wanted to turn to. It's not that he couldn't. It's that he preferred a gap scheme, mm-hmm. which was which was well-known. That's what he did a lot of in during his time in Pittsburgh. That's that's really his bread and butter. But you can coach the outside zone scheme. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And he went to Minnesota and helped them install their outside zone scheme. Mm -hmm. So, And he went for a guy who just had nothing but negative stuff said about him from every stop he's been been at. Yep. So you definitely, like, all these coaches is they can a great coaching hire can be made worse by bad coaching hires by yeah. bad coaching staff around them just as a bad one can be propped up a little bit 
And we've seen that in the NFL both ways plenty of times before. So, of course, all of them, it matters. And the big talk is with Sean Payton, here comes Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator. Well, if that happens, my opinion of the Sean Payton hire is going to go down a little bit because Joe Lombardi sucks. Like, he is a terrible offensive coordinator who wants to just throw three yards and just, you know, try to pick up after the catch. He absolutely was crap for the Chargers, ruining, like, I don't want to say ruining because that's not the right way to put it, but absolutely destroy, like, limiting Justin Herbert and all that he could do. So that that's a big issue that I have with all of them is who are the coaches around them. It's also, it's a concern, like, and Chase Wilner comes in with $2 saying, how does this roster look for what Sean Payton wants to run? Um, Not terrible. Like, no matter what, you have to rebuild your offensive line. And for him, it's no different. I think Sean Payton, I think what he wants to do offensively, I think Garrett Bowles will be better fit for that. I do think that he's going to be approached mm-hmm. with a restructure. I don't think they cut him or trade him, though. They're already overturning. They're already turning three of their spots on the offensive line. They're not going to willingly make it four. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think that maybe it's a situation where you, for contract reasons, you cut Graham Glasgow and look at bringing him back um, on a much cheaper deal. Of course, it depends on how willing Graham Glasgow is for that. Cameron Fleming being brought back as a depth piece on the offense, the offensive tackle, makes a little bit more sense with Sean with what Sean Payton wants to run. So yes. I, so offensively, the the biggest issue offensively with what Sean Payton wants to run is the quarterback, who doesn't mm-hmm. like to work the middle of the field. And Sean Payton's offense is very much we want to attack the middle of the field. Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. And I, I think that there might be something to uh, to speak of in terms of what Russell Wilson likes to do and what he is capable of doing. Um, I, I I think that he is plenty capable of running what Sean Payton wants to do in terms of his mobility, in terms of his ability to see around offensive linemen, drive the football over the middle of the field. He just doesn't necessarily want to do that. There's a difference between being like wanting to do something and actually having the ability to do that. Now I want to, to flip this a little bit to the outside in terms of the weapons that the Broncos have right now. I think that quite honestly, um, the, the receivers that you have on this roster right now, specifically to the, the big body boundary guys that you have in Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, this is great news for guys like that. The, the guys that like to run the the deep dig, the slant route plays, the, the guys that are the big body possession receivers over, over the middle of the field. Because if you go back and look at what Sean Payton was able to do with Michael Thomas there for a while, uh, the, the slant play, the dig play, the crossing routes, that's a big body possession receiver type of route. And the Broncos have two of those guys. And then they also build in the deep over shot plays, the the slot post plays, the, the bang eight plays, where you have a Jerry Judy that has enough explosive athleticism to be able to do stuff like that. I think that Sean Payton, in terms of accentuating what this receiving skill set has, is a great fit for this Broncos team right now. It's, it all just comes back down to if Russell Wilson can buy in and figure out a way to target those guys over the middle of the field because he typically likes to target the comeback routes on the outside, the, the deep outs, uh, the deep overs and stuff like that from the slot receiver. You can mesh just a little bit from what Sean Payton likes to do with what Russell Wilson is capable of doing and somehow make it work, especially with the receivers that you have in terms of the the uh, the weaponry on this offense. Yeah, Definitely. Um, so moving on here, 
because you know there's not much really to get into with the whole coaching search or everything. It's going to be the hot topic for the next probably week as well, and it's been the hot hot topic for the past couple weeks. But here coming up, we have the Shrine Bowl. Last week we talked about the Senior Bowl a little bit, mm-hmm. and the Shrine game always goes a little bit under the radar. I think obviously it's not quite you know the level of talent that you get at the Senior Bowl, but there still are some good quality prospects there. And this yeah. year is no different. I mean, they have a couple. They have two quarterbacks on their list that are intriguing. They have a couple wide receivers. Zay Flowers, who's one of the better route runners in the draft, he's going to be there. Yeah. Um. He's he's a little redundant when you have someone like Jerry Judy, but it's a thing of there's still plenty of talent to look at. You're absolutely right. I like Zay Flowers a lot. I, I think, like you said, the 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 explosive playability, the um. The, the route running ability that he has, he's very refined in terms of uh, just trying to create separation. And he does such a great job of that, especially over the middle of the field. You're, you're right. I think he is a little bit redundant. A guy that I kind of like a lot, um, I need to watch more of him, is uh, Jaden Hazelwood from Arkansas. Uh, like, he's got some some deep speed. He's uh, a little bit jitter. I, I think I think that's right. A uh, little jitter buggy uh, likes to it, like take the top off of the defense. That's a player that I kind of am keeping my eye on in this aspect. Um, in in terms of offensive linemen, uh, the uh, the center from Arkansas, uh, his name is escaping me. I'm trying to find him on the list here. Um, uh, dang it! Uh, damn, I cannot remember his name for the life of me at all. Uh, Eric, help me out here. Save me. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. What kid? Uh, the the center from Arkansas. From Arkansas, uh, Ricky Stromberg. Yes, that's it. That's the one, Ricky Stromberg. Um, I, I think he's kind of an intriguing prospect, more of a power scheme kind of a player. Uh, not the greatest mover, not the like overall like super strong kind of a guy. But if you're if you're looking for a guy to come in and and add to the the depth of the interior offensive line, I think that that's a player to watch out for. Sorry, yeah, I'm definitely. Losing. I mean, they have there's a quite a few quality guy shrine, um, shrine prospects at the shrine game. I mean, you mentioned one of them in Ricky Schomburg. I think that he's one of the more underrated centers in this class. They also yeah. have a lot of small school guys, which are always worth taking a look at. But there's a tackle there that could probably be had day three in Connor Galvin that mm-hmm. intrigues me. And there is also a guy from an offensive guard, I think, from TCU. Oh no, sorry, um, UCLA. Antonio Mafi, who is very interesting for interesting to me, especially if you're going to a more of a gap scheme. I think Mafi makes a lot of sense for that, and he's probably another guy that you could have day three as well. I'm still looking through this roster. I haven't really got a chance to take a whole lot of this. Uh, oh, here's another guy. Um, in terms of the running back position, I know that the age, the injury concerns, um, there, there's a there's a lot to hate in terms of the the intangibles off the field. But Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota, this dude is if he was 20, 22 years old and didn't have an ACL and an Achilles injury in his uh, in his lifespan, would probably be a top five running back in this class like you're, you're talking explosive he's got great receiving ability he's a great pass protector out of the backfield um like th- this kid is, is very fun to watch 
you just have so many concerns with him being what 26 years old, I think is where he's at right now. And coming off all those injuries, man, it's, it's, it's ridiculous with him. Yeah. He, he'll be 25 in September. So okay. right at the start of the season, he's hitting 25, which isn't great. And then the wear and tear on his body after two serious injuries, like he's worth, he's worth a flyer day three, but I wouldn't take him probably in the top 150 um, because of that. I really like what he can do, but it's mm -hmm. just how much longer can he, how much longer can he do it for? And that's where you got to value it in the other running backs at the shrine game. I think there's another one that really stands out to me um, in uh, Tavion Thomas out of Utah. He's the guy that I like. Um, I'm trying to remember how many, about how many carries he had. I don't think it was he has as much mileage on his um on his tires or anything, but he's a guy that interests me as another person to help bring up the bottom of the depth chart, raise that raise the floor of it a little bit. Um Michael Ronquillo says Lance and Eric name your top three candidates for a new head coach of the Denver Broncos for a second interview with the Broncos. Um I think I think we'll both have Sean Payton and Dan Quinn, right? I think that's pretty yeah. sad. Yeah, As two I, I of the three, I think the I, third. I think the third one is between David Shaw or Jim Caldwell. For you, okay. Um, it, no, for the for the second interview, for the second interview, who I think gets it. I think it's between one of those two. Oh, okay. I I, I thought uh, I thought we were going like our top three candidates because um, I I would I would much rather see what D'Amico Ryan's has in terms of of being that next head coach. It, it would be. Uh, Peyton for me, Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans would be the, the way that I would order that. Uh, Jim Caldwell would probably be the fourth one there. But in terms of like how like the order is supposed to go, it's going to be Peyton Quinn and then probably Jim Caldwell. Because Jim Caldwell, it, from all reports that we've seen, Jim Caldwell was the one that really kind of impressed this uh, this this coaching search. That Greg Penner, Condoleezza Rice, um, uh, George Peyton, and – who who was the fourth one in there? There was there was four people in there. It wasn't just no. Uh, I, it, it was it was, it was Penner, Rice, and Peyton for the first set of interviews. Okay, I thought there was a fourth one in there. Regardless, uh, like I know that uh, Jim Caldwell was the one that really kind of impressed all three of those people in that first interview. So to me, it's probably Peyton, obviously because he's the big fish. Dan Quinn because he's the second preferred option, and then Jim Caldwell will be the the one to look out for in terms of the order of how they go with their next interviews. Uh, Phil McLaughlin jumping in here. Uh, what do you guys think of Jared Verse from Florida State? I like him a lot. Unfortunately, he's going back to Florida State. Um, twitchy, um, explosive, speed to power. There's a, there's a lot to like about this kid, but he's uh, not coming into the draft this year. There's another player, though, that we can take a look at here, speaking of the edge position, that did declare, even though we didn't think he was going to, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Eric, what do you think on him? Have you watched enough of him to have a, a, a good opinion on him? I have not, so I, I want your opinion on Lucas Van Ness. <laughs> um. <laughs> another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
serious opinion or the trash on Iowa opinion? Yes. <laughs> trash on Iowa opinion, he's terrible. <laughs> serious serious opinion is there is so much to like about him, but there is also so much he has to work on. I know that there were people near him and in the football world near him, um, not just family, that were telling him that you, he should return to Iowa. He to really work on his pass rushing technique, adding more to his arsenal, and really improving that run defense. And he decided to declare anyways. And there's a very good chance he's going to be a first round pick. But there's a there's just enough concern there to really get that boomer bust kind of label as a rookie. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to put everything together, all the tools that he has, get the technique down, and really contribute at the NFL level. It might take a year or two before that. Right. But he's a good quality player. And thank you for the stars, Phil. We appreciate that. I, I want to kind of expand on some things really fast because I've, I've been doing a lot more research and, and stuff like that, listening to a lot more podcasts, doing a lot more reading in terms of uh, mock drafts and stuff like that. Uh, in terms of Van Ness, he was drafted in a mock draft by uh, Daniel Jeremiah in the top 10. For, uh, I don't remember where he went. I think it was uh, Atlanta. It was, it was Atlanta. I couldn't remember if it was Atlanta <laughs> or Detroit. Um, and then I, I listened to uh, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino on the draft, uh, the Draft Dudes podcast. They did a mock draft yesterday on their show, and they had him going to, at like 16 overall or something like that. And they're like, it's the highest we've ever seen him like mocked. But in terms of speed to power, the tools that he has, um, just the ability that um, he brings in terms of a pass rusher, you can see a team falling in love with him. The one thing that Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino brought up was he's never been a full-time starter. He played over 900 snaps at Iowa, but he's never really started a game at all. He's more of a rotational pass rusher. That, that goes into the coaching philosophy at Iowa there for a minute, but at the same time, as a rotational pass rusher at Iowa, one of the premier programs in terms of defensive football that we've seen over the last 25 years in college football, he could never actually see the field as a full-time starter. So to me, that is um, a, a little bit concerning. I, Like I said, I need to see more of him. I've, I've heard a lot of really good things of, about him, but the one thing that I have heard from multiple different people is in terms of him being a refined run defender is the one area that you really have to watch out for him at the next level. Yeah, it is. And that's one reason why that people were sitting there trying to push him down and not necessarily push him down, but talk him back into going into going back to school, um, what you really needed. But there, I mean, this is a great edge class edge yeah. and cornerback are, and are probably the two of the, I'd say three, two of the three strongest classes tight end is up there as well. Yeah. Like it's it's those are really good classes. Um, the 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 tight end class to me, it, the, I think the the big thing about this tight end class is you have two guys that are potentially first round picks, and then the depth throughout it seems to be very solid. It's not like um like last year where there's not a guy that you can for sure put in the first round conversation. Like Trey McBride was the arguably the best tight end in the class. I had Kate Otten there. But this year you've got a Michael Mayer who is a complete package as a tight end in terms of just what he brings as an overall skill set. Then you've got the freak athlete in Darnell Washington. But then the rest of the class kind of lines out. You've got Luke Musgrave, Dalton Kincaid, um, the uh, the uh, um, 
Western Michigan kid. Like there's a, there's a handful of guys that can like round out this class. It's strong at the top, which to me leads me to believe that it's a more strong class than it actually is. Um, for tight end, I mean, there's there's plenty of depth to it. Yeah. Um, like it, it's it's a strong class. They have the talent at the top, and they have mm-hmm. talent throughout. Yeah. Um, edge rusher is. This is gonna come off as a little hot takey. Edge rusher doesn't quite have the talent at the top outside of Will Anderson. Like typically, you want two to three guys there, and mm-hmm. I think there's Will Anderson, and then there is a decent drop off. As much as I like Wilson out of Texas Tech, there is a decent drop off to him afterwards. Um, so it doesn't have that top talent. Of course, you know positional value is going to be different here because Will Anderson's going to be a top five pick at the very least, whereas your first tight end if you get a first rounder will be in the late twenties. And so it's a little bit of positional value here being thrown around as well. And cornerbacks the same, like for, from every conversation I've had, there is one pretty much one or two consensus corners as top 10 picks and not a single one that's being consistently talked about or as a top 20 pick, not a single one being consistently talked about as a top 10 Um, Christian Gonzalez and Witherspoon are the top are a lot of people's top two guys. Keely Ringo, he's a guy who's been falling down a little bit. There's talk about him going in the second round. Um, there's the guy out of Utah, Clark Phillips. I think he's gonna get mm-hmm. pushed down a little bit. Um, there's another guy from South Carolina this year. Um yep. Cam, Cam Smith, I believe. Yeah, Cam Smith. He's he's another guy that's probably gonna be in that first or second round range. So again, there's you don't have the top talent at the cornerback position that you're used to because again factoring in positional value as you do with tight end but the depth of the class is absolutely insane like we're we're gonna see it wouldn't surprise me at all if this year we see the record for the most corners drafted in the draft not only in the draft overall but in the in the first round and i i think that positional value is going to take take a hold there uh you're not even mentioning joey porter jr in that uh you you've got um who's falling and he is falling. Uh, a lot of that is uh, technical concerns. Um, the athleticism, the length, the tools, and everything you have are there with Joey Porter Jr., but he's scheme-specific. He's he's a, a press man, covers cornerback only. But like like Cam Smith, everyone's like, oh, he's the, ne- he's the next J.C. Horn. No, he's not. He's three inches shorter and 20 pounds lighter than J.C. Horn. He has the same mentality, but he's not the same player. Um, like Clark Phillips, another – smaller guy he's probably 5'9 185 he plays well on the boundary good physicality but do, where do you play him in the nfl he's probably a slot coverage cornerback only um it, like there there's a lot to like there's a, a lot of toolsy guys there's a lot of a very fun guys to watch in this cornerback class but like you said eric there are two guys that are top 20 guys i am probably going to end up with a top 15 grade on devon witherspoon out of out of illinois uh, uh, Christian Gonzalez probably going to get a top 15 grade out of me, but like it's those guys. And then the depth from 32 to 75, you're going to get seven or eight cornerbacks that line up in that range that are definitely worth being drafted there. Uh, Gary Palmer jumping in here, $5 super chat. Thanks Gary. Appreciate you, man, for joining us as always. Hey, Eric Lance and Scott and Broncos country MHH for life. Go Broncos. Uh, Sean Payton or D'Amico Ryan's. Um, Peyton, if I could get it in terms of not having to give up future draft capital, 
Um, if I have to give up shoot future draft capital, Ryan's is the third on my list. I'd probably go Dan Quinn in front of that. Yeah, I mean, I just did an article up and I that I posted it on Twitter. I would much rather if Denver's sending Sean Payton. And the rumor is, is that what it'll take Denver is a first and a third. Not a whole lot. And that is more than enough to make up for it. Because when you look at trading for a coach, it is how good is the coach as well as the loss of those draft picks mm-hmm. compared what's um, it expands that difference. And is that coach worth it? For me, a first and a third, the difference of Sean Payton to Dan Quinn or D'Amico Ryans or Jim Caldwell or whoever number two ends up actually being for the Broncos, it's worth it. And I also think that both those picks should be this year. And I know a lot of people are having, are, I mean, there's been a bunch of people that have reached out to me on Twitter about it when I posted the tweet. You go from six picks to four. Well, outside of a few positions, this year's draft isn't great. The depth of this class isn't great outside of those few positions. Next year, it projects it to look so much better at almost every single position. It's going to be deeper. It's going to be short. It's just looks so much better i'd rather keep all seven picks for next year because it provides you with so much more versatility that you can do with going forward yeah you can make up you can get those draft picks later but if you keep all seven of those picks well then you have more freedom if you are in contention for the playoffs and you lose a key player to an injury then you can still use those picks and not really short yourself even more in 2024 by trading some of those picks to go get a guy and so on and so forth. And then in twenty after the 2023 season, prior to the 2024 draft, a lot more players become easier to move for additional draft capital than you have this year. This year, work around the salary cap, use the space you have, releasing four players gets you just over $30 million in salary cap space that you can mm-hmm. work with. Yes, um, Draymond Jones is going to eat up a lot of that on a franchise tag, but you have rich owners, and rich owners can help you work around the salary cap. Go in on Russell Wilson, improving the offensive line and free agency so you don't have to rely on rookies. Yep. And use what picks you do have to help out the depth of it and help for the next few years. So I do think that it is better to keep it this year. Although if they do send a third in 2024, it's not a huge deal, just a personal preference. I'm with you on that. Send the the 49ers pick. Uh, You got the Indianapolis pick in the third round this year as well. Um, So you're going to lose out and you're still going to get a, a, like, I think it's number 67 overall for the Broncos this year is like the first pick they're going to get. But if you send this year's first from San Francisco, this year's third from Indianapolis next year's third to go get Sean Payton, that head coach is more valuable than any player you're going to get at 29 and 67, like plain and simple. Like if you can figure out a way to, to fill out the roster the way you need to, at least in terms of this year, it doesn't matter to me. The 2023 is the last year regardless. Rebuild for 2024, 20, 2025, and figure out the next path. Uh, James Moss jumping in here. $5 Super Chat. Thank you, James, for joining us. New name to me on the Valley Deep Divers, and thank you for joining us. Hopefully you uh, have enjoyed yourself here tonight, and we appreciate you for joining us. Make sure you come back every single Friday at uh, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, coming in late, but just want to say hello, and let's be positive, Broncos fam. Absolutely. The, like, it, it, it seems crazy to me to think that as of this point right now, where this team is at, I'm more positive than what I was last year. 
And a big reason why, and like I said earlier, I've, I've still got a lot of issues with Russell Wilson and the way that he played this season, but I still have that like grain of sand, like glimmer of hope that something can be turned around this year. Going into last offseason, the, the coaching search was not one that I was super keen on. I wanted Dan Quinn. I'm not going to be uh, apologetic about that. Dan Quinn was my first preferred op- uh, uh, option there. This year, I still have, even being let down by Jim Harbaugh, I still have hope that I have a, a potential Sean Payton coming in here. Regardless of losing the draft capital, money doesn't matter. Regardless, you get a Sean Payton in this, in this, on this team right now. There's enough pieces that this team can turn it around and be very competitive. Maybe not in 2023, but 2024 for sure. It just all I, depends on what on Russ. Yeah, it really does. And you're absolutely correct on that. Can can Russ buy into what Sean Payton wants him to be able to do? It, Russ has wanted Sean Payton to be his head coach for the last three seasons. Going back and, to like. But to be clear here, he has wanted to work with Sean Payton because he believed Sean Payton can turn him into Drew Brees. Yep. That is very important context that keeps getting left out every time I see it. Yep. Yes, he's wanted to work with Sean Payton, but that was the reason why. No, oh, and you're absolutely right on that. The thing is, is Russell Wilson is not Drew Brees. I don't think he processes exactly. it fast enough to to be able to deliver the football on time where he needs to. He does it occasionally, but at the same time, like it, it, there's there's not enough of a comparison there. But in the terms of being positive, if there's any coach that could potentially get Russ underneath his thumb and turn him into that pocket passer, this is where your keys and reads are at. This is how and, and like how you need to deliver the football. Get it out of your hand. This guy's going to be open based on the design. I think that Sean Payton has enough of the acumen of X's and O's to be able to do that with a guy like Russell Wilson, who does have a quick trigger. Like when you when you watch him throw the football, he's got a quick enough release. He just has to process it fast enough to actually get that done. It, it's a coaching thing. And with Russ, he needs to be coached hard. He needs to have that thumb on your forehead guy that says, this is what you're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And this is what it needs to be. And that's just it. We saw it with Russ having the say in the offense this season, and it obviously didn't work. He tried to be essentially Aaron Rodgers because we didn't see anything like what Drew Brees was able to do with this offense. Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson essentially tried to make Aaron Rodgers out of Russell Wilson. And that never was going to be an option there. So I, I think that with Peyton, there's enough of that gritty nose to the grindstone, the the attention to detail stuff that you need to have to really rein Russ in this next season. Yeah. And as Jeremy says, Peyton will tell Russ what is and what isn't reality. Yep. And that's exactly the way that it needs to be. That is what yep. Russ is letting Russ essentially design the passing offense for this last year and be the offensive coordinator effectively we saw what happened there and i think i do have a concern if wilson will actually buy into it but he does seem Mm self-aware and this was the worst season he's had which would be a very humbling season he's had Mm -hmm. so i am i i have a positive um feeling that he will improve himself be willing to improve himself be willing to be like okay i saw what i really can't do like i know that it's i can't do that so we'll do this and then there's the question of 
how much will Sean Payton work to adapt his offense for Russell Wilson, really? Because we saw what he did with all the different quarterbacks that he did work with post there towards the end of Drew Brees' career, and it was still very much the same thing. The only thing that he did do was add a handful of plays for Hill for Hill to run as gadget type plays. And that was it. When he asked Hill to be a pocket passer, it was the same thing he did with Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees, Jamie's Winston, and everyone else he marched out there. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't really shown the ability to adapt his offense as much as people think he has just because of these different quarterbacks he's played because of the Taysom Hill factor of it, of, well, he at least adapted it for them. Well, he put in the plays for him to run. Like that's a bit of adaptation there. But I mean, when he had to start with him with a starter, it was still very much the same thing. So it's two concerns of two offensive people, obviously Sean Payton, the offensive mind, the quarterback with what they can do and what they want to do is so far apart from each other that I am cautiously optimistic about the product we see on the field. The the one thing that I want to add on to this is given the, the current landscape of this Broncos team, and yes, I, I understand uh, Javante Williams is still on this roster, but he's probably not going to be able to go for uh, the, at least the beginning part, the, probably the first four games of this season. Coming off the the – the massive knee injury that he did have, that's a, that's a big problem. There's nobody on the roster right now that even comes close to translating to an Alvin Kamara or even a Mark Ingram right now. Like Latavius Murray was great in what he was able to do, and I think the Broncos need to bring him back. But what Sean Payton really likes to do in, in terms of what his, his offense is predicated on also has a big heavy hand in terms of passing the football to the running back the screen game the 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 uh misdirection plays where you got one guy going one way another guy going another way and we're gonna like fake a throw so breeze will fake a throw the the quick slant to uh, michael thomas and turn around and dump it off to alvin Kamara out in the flat the broncos don't have a guy like that they're, like they're, it's just not there right now so i would i'd be very curious to see what they would do in the draft moving forward in terms of finding a guy like that. I like Kendra Miller out of TCU. I really like Sean Tucker from Syracuse in terms of like that kind of a mold, maybe a Jameer Gibbs. If he, if he is uh, available in the third round would be fun, but that like there's, there's a, a hole here in terms of not only with the quarterback being able to run the system, but just the players that you need to have over the last five seasons of what we watched with Drew Brees coming out of the backfield. Like th- there's a hole there for sure. Yeah. Um, Jameer Gibbs, as nice as he will be, um, if Denver trains their first round pick, they're not getting him like no way in hell. Um, just, it's just not happening. Um, he's he's gonna he's a guy that's probably gonna be late first early second round pick. Like yeah, more than likely. There are there are folks out there who have him as running back one. Like he is viewed that highly uh by quite a few people actually. Um so it's definitely a thing of that. But there are plenty I of other guys the, out there. I some of the, the guys some of the some of the guys you named are obviously good fits of there. I like Sean Tucker a good a decent amount. Um there are also guys that are a little bit similar to what Javante Williams is to help make up for that loss there that you can still use in a variety of ways too. 
But Lawrence Rivera comes in. Strew only had an arm, though, no legs, so he had to make it work. But Ross is a run-first quarterback. It's going to be another clash of personalities That's that I looked at Saints highlights all day to see if Peyton would be our guy, and I don't think so. Um, first of all, Lawrence, thank you for the donation. We appreciate that. Um, but classifying Ross as a run-first quarterback is a bit out there because that's not really what he is even though my colleague here wants to see him get 10 carries a game, which translates to a, 170. A, a, a. I was being <laughs> hyperbolic when I said that. I said closer to 10 carries a game, not 10 carries a game. There's You're twisting my words here, and I can, I can bring the receipts if you need me to. But anyways, he's a guy who... In terms of carries, like would you call would you call Josh Allen a run for his quarterback? Because Josh Allen in two of his seasons has had more carries in a more has carried the ball more times than Russell Wilson has at his highest point in his career. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't classify that. Russ is a quarterback who he really he looks for that big play through the air, but he's not afraid to use his legs. And the number of times that he's used his legs has been declining. There is still some gas left in the tank, and I know that anytime he runs the ball, people get super hyped up. Like, see, he hasn't lost anything in his legs, but it's the consistency of it. You can tell that his legs just are not what they used to be. There's still some gas left, but again, not what it was. The the big thing and something I was trying to like convey in the message that I told you that you know I, I wanted to see like closer to ten times a game with him running the football. That includes the three to four scrambles that you're going to get from him because that's that's what he is. That like he, he's a guy that wants to dance around back behind the, the line of scrimmage. He wants to extend the plays. He wants to uh, push the ball down the field, and if he has to, then he can take off and run. I think that personally, I want to see like probably three or four designed plays where it's read option. Like, like this is a designed read option and keep the ball and run kind of plays. Not just the, I'm going to scramble around behind the line of scrimmage. And when nothing happens, I can break it down and I'm just going to take off with my legs. You saw it more over the last couple of weeks of the season because that that touchdown run he had, I believe, is against the uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, where it, they essentially ran a speed option, and Russell Wilson carried the ball, ran untouched to the end zone for a touchdown. That was a play that I would like to see incorporated more with a guy like Russell Wilson, who has the ability to extend and to create plays with his legs. That's where I'm coming from. Like with with Russell Wilson right now. He's running what four or five, like on average, four to five times a game. They're not designed runs where he is actually designed to hold on to the football and run every single time over this last season is like him scrambling around the line of scrimmage and then just taking off for a yard and a half, maybe two yards. He's not attacking with his legs. And I think that's the big difference that I want to see with Russell Wilson this next season. Except a good number of his runs this year were designed runs as well as scrambles. I, man, it was it, it was it was it was like a 40-60 split. But anyways, um Lawrence came in to clarify that he meant run first as in getting out from behind the line to do that. Um the, the issue with that is a lot of the times when Russ does it, he doesn't need to, like because of pressure and he runs into pressure. So that's something that hopefully if Sean Payton comes that he's able to go and improve that. There's a lot of areas where Russell Wilson does need to improve. I see the chat is having a big, big old debate about this. And I believe it was Dylan Von Arks 
uh, one of the moderators who helped make who put it very like exactly the way it is. There were so many issues with the Broncos offense this year. It wasn't just Russell Wilson. It wasn't just Hackett. It wasn't just the offensive line. Wasn't just injuries. It was everything. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers dropping the ball. Offensive line struggling. Russell Wilson playing terribly, trying to be a quarterback he isn't. Nathaniel Hackett being way in over his head and being completely having absolutely no power or willing of to use what power he has to try to rein in the offense. Like there was just so many issues there Yeah, that it wasn't just one thing. So like I'm trying to figure out the best way to put it is like, there's really no point in hammering away on one of them. And I know we're kind of hammering away on Russell Wilson here for the last few minutes of this, but it's, we're trying to talk about with, you know, in context of adding Sean Payton and the offense and working around that and what we can, what can needs to be fixed with that. So it's not just, we're not just bashing Wilson. Right. But like, so it's, so it's a worth a conversation worth having. And there are many ways Russell Wilson needs to improve and Sean Payton can work with some of them. Some of them is going to be interesting to see how they work out with, because Maybe we will see a slight increase of, you know, those design runs that you don't believe that they did this year um, under under Sean Payton because of what he did do with Taysom Hill. Not necessarily the same, like, drawn-up plays as them, but maybe we do some of those, see some of those run-option plays yeah. um, being instu- installed that we saw there towards the end of the season a little bit more frequently instead of just basically the quarterback draws that we were seeing prior to the last four or five weeks. Right. Yeah. And and that's, that's kind of, I guess where I was going with that point, Michael Juan Creel jumping in here. Uh, second to last comment. I want to grab another one really fast. Uh, we've got a, a saints fan in here. I want to grab his con uh, his comment and show him some love really fast. But Michael says a great show tonight, Lance and Eric. Um, uh, here we go. Uh, Derek jumping in saying, Hi, guys. Uh, Saints fan here. Just curious if Denver fans are on board with Sean Payton as your next head coach. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I am on board with uh, Sean Payton as the next head coach. But it specifically draws back to um, the cost. I I, I don't want to give up much, if any, future draft capital from the Broncos. Um, The 2024 first-round pick for the Broncos is off-limits to me. I'm more than willing to give up whatever pick you get from the uh, San Francisco 49ers this season uh, from the Bradley Chubb trade. I'm willing to give up both third round picks potentially. I'd much rather be a first this year, a third this year, and a third next year maybe. That would probably satisfy what the Saints would want from a team like the Broncos. Maybe a little bit more, but I'm not giving up a first or a second round pick next year to have Sean Payton coach this team. I'm, I, there's too many holes. There's too uh, many needs for this team. And giving up that much capital to get Payton to coach a rudderless ship of a, of a franchise, it, it's too much to me. For me, and I can't remember if I said this when I was talking about why I don't want to give up future capital, um, just give, leaves your options open. If Russell Wilson doesn't work out under Sean Payton, Denver will cut him after the 2023 season. That's already being discussed internally. It's been reported. Um, So if it doesn't turn around, he's gone. You are financially committed to him for this season at most. Well, having those extra picks, 
if he fails and you don't quite end up with like say a top five pick but you end up in the you know six to 14 15 range well then you have that extra pick to move up which is another reason why um, but I'm I'm all aboard with Sean Payton as the next coach. He's the best candidate for it, which mm-hmm. leads into this next super chat we got from Michael Roche saying, "Sup guys, I'm co- also coming in late, but what's the worst case scenario in y'all's opinion as far as the coaching search goes?" First of all, thank you, Michael, for the donation. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Um, my worst con- case scenario is David Shaw. Of all the coaching candidates to be interviewed this this year by every single team for head coach specifically. He is the second least qualified to be an NFL head coach. Ah, man, I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm 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 with you on in in terms of that would be like the the worst case scenario. I mean, he he was a position coach with the Raiders, the Eagles, I believe Tampa Bay. There for he's been in the NFL for nine years. Uh, he he turned around. Well, I guess not turned around. Being but, having oh, been in the NFL is why he's not the worst or the but, least qualified. Well, but he also turned chicken salad out of you know what um, from that Stanford roster there for a. Couple no, he didn't. He inter- he inherited what Jim Harbaugh built. Yeah, and and then when the recruiting fell off because it's so impossible to get into Stanford in terms of an athlete trying to get into that school, like you have to have a, it, like it's ridiculous. Harbaugh succeeded. Recruit. Harbaugh succeeded because he got Andrew Luck. Come on, man. Like Harbaugh was there for three years and he had Andrew Luck for two of them. And then Andrew Luck stayed and, and held on with David Shaw for another two more seasons. Like there's, there's a reason why Shaw was great there, but it, it like he was very good after Andrew Luck left for two seasons. He had Stanford in the, uh, in the, in the Rose bowl, I believe a season after Andrew Luck was even there. Like, and maybe I'm getting my timelines messed up here, but still, like David Shaw was a quality head coach and on, on a roster that's an Ivy League school to get into. Like it, it, maybe not Ivy League, but you know what I mean. Like you have to have incredible, incredible uh, academic prowess just to even get into Stanford. It, it's crazy how hard it is to get there and then to succeed as a player there. It, like what? What do you like? He, it, go ahead. Shaw, go ahead. Took, Prove Shaw me wrong, took please. What? Shaw took what Harbaugh built and started to destroy it. His recruiting ability went down because he wasn't as good of a recruiter as Harbaugh was. That's fair. And yes, Andrew Luck, that's a good point. Harbaugh had Andrew Luck, but Harbaugh also got multiple talents in there that were that carried over to Shaw, which helped keep them winning for a few years and produced quality NFL um, prospects. When you started to see... Shaw's recruiting take effect. The quality of draft prospects came out or dropped significantly. Not to mention, while I do like the work that Shaw has done on the draft over the years with the NFL Network, I do have questions about his ability to evaluate the college players and going into the NFL game. Because what he did for them was consistently, consistently what they were in the college game. That's a huge difference there that has to be worked on. Shaw started to struggle with recruiting, dropped the team. I know some people have blamed the NIL for it, which just made the issues that he's had even worse. But the recruiting, everything was fine. Harbaugh started it. Shaw carried it and destroyed it. He has some coaching experience in it. He runs an extremely outdated offensive system. And has never showed any willingness to update that outdated off uh, offensive system. 
behind Jeff Saturday or outside of Jeff Saturday, David Shaw is the worst candidate NFL head coaching candidate to get an interview this year. I, I don't disagree with that. And Scott jumping in here saying, uh, and cause he's coming after me in the comments here as well. Uh, Shaw was 12 and two and 10 and three, five and six after uh, five and six years after Harbaugh. So he helped sustain it, but yeah, Harbaugh turned it into a destination school. And that's that's absolutely the truth. Like, because what what David Shaw was able to do for what four or five six years after that, he had a, a quality a quality roster. But like I said, you're talking about a school that also is a like I said, not quite Ivy League school. It's a very high standards worth of academic prowess that you have to be able to have to get into um, into the school to begin with. They're not just handing out scholarships to go to Stanford to any swinging, you know what, Tom and Harry to get into that school. Shaw is uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna there, stop you there. There's, we gotta, there's, there's merits. There's merits. To, we got to uh, conversation here. We we got to get out. We got to get out of here. But the last thing I'll say about that is, it's college football. Yeah, they'll fudge the grades to get the men to keep them on the field. It's happened yeah. before. They'll do right. it. So the whole thing of the it being a hindrance, there's ways around that with college football that they would look into. Like, yeah, Stanford has waived their academic stuff for for players before. They could do it again. Like it is, it is a fact that they do have high standards to get in, but there are still ways around it. And eventually, the what was there in Stanford was came crashing down because of what David Shaw couldn't do and wouldn't yeah. do. Yeah. Mostly a miswording of it, to be honest. Like, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm just saying like, the, like, let's not discount the guy for what he was able to do there. Uh, Michael Ronquillo, last one here. Uh, we'll get out here after this. Uh, Broncos country, leave a thumbs up or a heart reaction on the way out of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Thank you, Mike, for that. We appreciate that. Mile High Huddle podcast hosts are the best in the business in the NFL, covering the Denver Broncos and the NFL draft and the NFL. Go Broncos. Thank you, Mike, man, for all of the kind words and all of your support. You've been one of the most uh, gracious and supportive of our community here in terms of everybody here at the mile high huddle podcast network. We definitely appreciate you, man. Uh, with that guys, we're going to say good night to everybody. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric trickle notice the CK in trickle. Uh, also for our guy, Scott running the ones and twos behind the, uh, behind the scenes at scout Kennedy. Uh, also guys, while you're at it, at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you guys are going to find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, uh, film breakdowns, all the coaching updates. Uh, we're getting into our NFL draft content. Eric and I are really working hard behind the scenes on trying to get as much of that coming up here over the next couple of months as possible. So stay tuned at Mile High Huddle. It's a great way to uh, keep in touch with what we're going on at milehighhuddle.com. Uh, Folks, if you're financially able to do so, Super Chats and Stars donations help a lot. But a great way to help show us some support is HuddleUpPod.com. That's the merch tent where you guys can find hats, T-shirts, uh, coffee cups, uh, onesie for your baby. There's a little scarf for your dog. Anything to suit your fancy that represents Mile High Huddle, you can find it at HuddleUpPod.com. And, folks, if you are not able to do so financially, I mean, times are tough, man. It, it is what it is. We understand your support 
is uh, appreciated regardless, but you can do three things everywhere. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, anywhere you guys get your podcast content. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video or article you guys see across all social media platforms. And if you love it, please share it in front of everybody. Um, as many Broncos fans that we can get to come and join and uh, help us in our discussion, get in front of us uh, and just – have fun with us talking Broncos football, share it in front of as many people as you can, because that's the best way to help grow and support our mile high huddle community here. Because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover the Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, um, obviously uh, the coaching search is the, the big thing over the course of this weekend, but there's playoff games, man. You looking forward to watching some football this weekend? No. Yes. I, the answer is no. I already know the answer to that question. <laughs> Eric's going to say no. He doesn't like to watch football unless it's you, uh, okay. You you want to know how much football I watched of the of last week's games? Uh, replays and highlights on Twitter. No, no, no. I mean live, like not counting replays or highlights. Oh, uh, I watched no. the final two plays of the Minnesota game to see if they could convert the for the for the first down. <laughs> I watched the final. Two minutes. What was the what was the game last Saturday? I think it was the, Saturday uh, night. The the Chargers and Jags. I watched the final two minutes of that because I wanted the Chargers to win, and I watched their final drive. That was it. So maybe like five minutes of total football that I watched last week, and it'll <laughs> probably be similar this week. If a game's close and I'm actually interested in it, I'll watch the final few minutes. Other so, than that, it's draft stuff. So if you're gonna recommend to me any three players to take a look at over this weekend. Who are they and why? For scouting? Yep. Oh, I mean, like, <laughs> that's, well, a, that's I mean, a little I, bit difficult to answer, especially when we're, you know, running well, late and trying to get out of here. I, um, well, I, I mean, like like off, off the cuff here, guys you've watched that you have, like, some kind of an affinity or likeness to. Uh, Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Okay. These are interior defensive linemen because we were talking about interior defensive linemen before we went. Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Um, there is Javon Dexter out of Florida. Uh-huh. And, oh, there's two guys out of Texas, too, that I like. Um, I, can't, I can't think of their names. Um, they're both, I believe they're both in either the Senior Bowl or the Shrine game. But they're both working to look at. Uh, DeMarvian Overshone, if you want to take a look at a linebacker from Texas, by the way. Uh, um Kalijah Kansi is my dude. I've been trying to tell you to watch Kalijah Kansi from Pittsburgh. I've watched Kalijah Kansi. He's fun. He's fun. All right. Anyways, with that, guys, you all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.